You know, Shabbos was Nachmu that just passed. Uh, and of course, Nachmu means consolation because of the uh, Tishabov, because of the Chorban Beis Amigdash. So I, I, I thought that would be very important to, to un- explain what exactly is Nechama. That's the question. How does God console the Jewish people for the thousands of years of Chorban? Right? Imagine being, being destroyed, persecutions, Holocaust, pogroms, inquisitions, expulsions. Imagine that goes on for thousands of years. But it, it, when God says, Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, be consoled, be consoled, my people. Yoima Alekechem says, your God. That means God, in the end, is going, to be, is going to console the Jewish people. So the question that we have to ask, there are several questions that we have to ask to get to the bottom of this. <clears throat> what exactly is Nechama? How How is a person consoled? And so that's the first question. Then there's a very interesting medrash. Okay, it says in the medrash that at the end of time, it says the Jews, after, you know, everything is over, the exile is finished, and then you have the Mashiach, right? And then it says that uh, the Jews will not be consoled because they've been suffering for thousands of years. Not only have they been killed and murdered and brutalized, but they have been ashamed, embarrassed. They have been treated as if they're garbage. And we know that. That goes on and on. You know, and then, of course, what the Nazis did is unbelievable. You know, made lampshades out of their skin, ashes, soap, etc., so it says that the Jewish people will not be consoled. So God is going to say to Avram Avinu, go and console the, 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 the Jewish people. <clears throat> and Avram Avinu is going to go, and he's going to quote this. So the Medrash quotes a Pasuk. You know, he tries to console them. But guess what? The Jews are not consoled. So then he turns to Yitzchak. God turns to Yitzchak. And he says to Yitzchak, go and console my people. Right? And he tries. And he fails. And then Yaakov. Then he turns to Moshe Rabbeinu. Fails. Aaron Akoyin fails. Then you have Dovid HaMelech. You have, uh, you know, uh, Shmuel Novi. You know, it's like, a, it's like a who's who in Jewish history. That God turns to them and says, I want you to console the Jewish people. <clears throat> but none of them can. So then God says, okay, if you can't, then I will. I will console. And that's why it says, Nachmu, Nachmu, Nachtara. Be consoled, be consoled, you know, my people, Ami, my people. And of course, God is successful. So the question that we must ask ourselves is, what does God do that they don't do? I mean, these are great people. And if they couldn't console the Jewish people, then what does God say that consoles them, comforts them? You see? That's a very important idea. What is it that God does that works? That is the question. So that's a second question. Uh, what does God do that works, that actually consoles the Jewish people for all the thousands of years of terrible 
slaughter and, and you know, in Hurban and so on. So that's the second question that we have to ask ourselves. Then we have to ask ourselves in general, it says, Nachmu, Nachmu Ami, be consoled, be consoled, my people. Why does God say Nachmu twice? Right? God doesn't stutter. So what do you mean be consoled, be consoled? You say it once, Nachmu Amu, be consoled, my people. So that itself is, you have to ask yourself, why does the Pasuk use a double Lashon? What is the secret? What is, what, what is being hidden in a double expression of consolation? And then it says, now, if God says consoled, then that's midis rachamim, which means that is the attribute of mercy. But it says, Yoma elokechem, says your God, and the, the word that they use for elokechem, of course, is midis hadin, elokim. So, how could midis hadin console anybody? Why doesn't it use yud kevovke, you know? Uh, which is the <clears throat> four-letter name of God. Why doesn't he use that name to console the Jewish people? Okay? So we have a whole series <clears throat> of questions, you see. But in the end, everything boils down to what is really the true consolation for the Jewish people? You know, how do you, how do you console people that have grieved for thousands of years? That is the question. Okay? And obviously that is critical for the Messianic era because you can't enjoy a Messianic era if you're not consoled. You see? It means if you're grieved and pained by the thousands of years of Jewish history, and remember one thing, that we're talking here not only about Sheikh bin Yosef, we're talking also about Mashiach ben David, when when everybody gets up from the dead, you see. When everybody gets up, they're all going to remember everything. Because you have people getting up from the dead from people who died 2,000 years ago, you see. So how can you possibly have a messianic era, right, when everybody's going to walk, walk around in grief, because people cannot forget the terrible oinish, the terrible, you know, uh, afflictions and sufferings that the Jews have gone through for thousands of years. So what kind of a messianic era will it be? You see what the question is? So it's not only that people need to be consoled. We are talking about an era that everybody's going to get up from the dead and all going to remember what happened to them. So instead of being a time of tremendous pleasure and, and hanor and benefit, tremendous uh, you know, excitement and joy, everybody's going to walk around with a terrible sense of, of, of grief. You know, it's almost like that'll be a tish above because everybody wakes up you know, to what they went through. So obviously, the concept of nechoma, or consolation, is critical for a messianic era, you see. 
And, and I'm, what I'm really talking about is now, you know, we're going to be entering a messianic era shortly, you know. What kind of an era is that going to be if everybody's going to remember all the butchery, the murder, the killings, you know, the terrible insults, and so on. Therefore, what is critical to a messianic era is nechomo, is consolation. So that is the question. What is the consolation? And God applies it, because nobody else could. So the question is, what does he say, and how come they couldn't say it? Okay, have they got those questions? Very important ideas. <clears throat> well, where do we find an answer to this? Well, there's a very interesting Gemara. It's at the end of Masechet Makot. Okay? It's a very fascinating story. And in this story lies the secret of the Nechama. Where's the story? Okay, I'm going to read this story to you. Everybody, please listen. Shuv Pam Achat. Again, it happened. They were coming up to Jerusalem. Who is coming up to Jerusalem? So you had, you had Rabbi Akiva, right? Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi, can you uh, talk a little louder, please? Uh, I'm talking loud. Everybody hear me now? Better. Now, much better. Okay, good. Yeah, so we had Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi El Ozeben Azaya, we had Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Akiva, the great Rabbi Akiva. All four were coming up to the, to the Jerusalem. Then it says, Kivon Shehigiu when they reached Mount Scopus, which is, you know, which is uh, Eretz Israel, Mount Scopus. And by the way, it's called Scopus because from there you get a tremendous view for those who have seen it. The Harabai is the, the Temple Mount. Okay? Uh, so it says when they reached the Haratzuifim, when they reached the mountain, Mount Scopus, Koru Big Dehem, they ripped their clothing because they were looking at the Horban. So obviously they ripped their clothing. Okay? Then it says, Kivun Shehegiul Harabais, but they kept working, and then they reached the Harabais, which is the Temple itself. Then all of a sudden, Ro'u Shuol, they saw a fox. They saw a fox that came out of the Holy of Holies. Now remember, uh, the Holy of Holies was the, the, the holiest place on earth. It was so holy that the only one who could go in was a coin Gadol. And even a, a coin Gadol can only go in once a year on Yom Kippur. Even Malochim, angels, could not go into that place. So now it's all desolate. It's all broken down, right? And all of a sudden, they're looking at the Harabais, and they see a fox comes out of it, you see? Which is amazing, that a fox comes out of the Holy of Holies. Imagine that. So then it says, Hischilu, they, who's they? Ram Gamliel, Rebel Ozeb and Azariah, and maybe Yeshua, they started crying. Could you imagine the destruction where you see a fox coming out of the Holy of Holies? But then it says, Rabbi Akiva Mitzachik. 
Rabbi Akiva was laughing. Or maybe it's better to say he was smiling. That's quite unusual. Imagine all three of these great rabbis. They're all crying. And Rabbi Akiva is smiling or laughing. So, Omuloi, so they said to him, Why are you laughing? Because they were crying. So, so Rabbi Akiva said to them, you're asking me why I'm laughing. Why are you crying? So they so they said to him, a place that it is written about it. And remember, this is a Kodesh HaKadoshim. That any stranger, not the coin Gadol, that enters this place, right? And now we now Shualim boy. Now we see foxes coming out of it. We shouldn't cry, right? In other words, of course we should be crying. So Rabbi Akiva said to them, And therefore that's the very reason in other words, that you're crying, that's why I am laughing. So he's, he's now going to explain. It says a pasuk. There's a pasuk that says in the Novi, Vi'o'idoli, God is saying, Vi'o'idoli, I will take to me, Adam ne'emonim, trustworthy witnesses. God is saying this before he destroys the temple. Who are they? Uriah ha'koyin, Uriah the coin, and Zechariah ben Yevorech Yohu, and Zechariah the son of Yevorech Yohu. God says, I'm going to take both of these people as witnesses. So Rabbi Akiva asks, why these two? What does Uriah have to do with Zechariah that God is going to take him for witnesses? Why? Uriah lived in the first time of the first temple. And Zechariah and Zechariah lived at the time of the second temple. Right? So, why does God say, I'm going to take two people, Ori and Zechariah, both of which lived hundreds of years apart? Why these two? So then Rebbe Akiva answers, But what happens, you see, so the, the Posuk made dependent the prophecy of Zechariah on the prophecy of Uriah. What was the prophecy of Uriah? So be Uriah by Uriah it's written, right, Luchain Beglalchem because and Luchain therefore Beglalchem because of you, Tsioin Te Zion will be plowed like a field. In other words, God is saying that's the prophecy of Uriah, where God says, Because of your sins, I'm going to plow Zion like a field, which is the uh, destruction of the base Hamigdosh. It says, There will yet be old people and old, uh, old men and old women in the streets of Jerusalem. And that is all about what? The Geula, the redemption. So each one prophesied not only at a different time, but all your prophesied of the destruction 
where Zechariah prophesied of the redemption itself. So Rabbi Akiva continues, Until the prophecy of Uriah was fulfilled, which is the destruction, means until that happened, I was afraid that the Nevoah of Zechariah won't happen, the redemption, it won't happen. Because the prophecy of destruction hadn't happened yet. But Achshav, but now, but now that I see that God fulfilled the prophecy of Uriah and he destroyed the Beis HaMikdash, it is definite, that I know definitely since God fulfilled the promise that he will destroy the Beis HaMikdash, he definitely will fulfill the, the what? The prophecy of Zechariah that what? <coughs> that the Beis HaMikdash will be rebuilt and there will be the Geula redemption. That's what he said. So therefore, it seems that he was saying to them, right, that just like God fulfilled the prophecy of destruction, then he definitely will fulfill the prophecy of redemption. So, so they, the other three that were crying, this is what they said to Rabbi Akiva. And the Gemara goes out of its way to express the wording. They said, Omuloi, they said to him, Akiva Nichamtonu, Akiva, you have consoled us. Akiva Nichamtonu, a second time, Akiva, you have consoled us. Right? That's what they said. Again, which is interesting, they said it twice. Akiva, you have consoled us. And Akiva, you have consoled us. It's fascinating. So that's the Gemara. You see? Now, within this Gemara lies the secret of the Nechama. So let's go over the Gemara again. Okay? And let's see where it lies. Shuv Pamachas, again, I'm reading it again. One time it happened that they were going to Jerusalem. When they got to the Haratzoifim, they all rent their garments. You see? Now, when they got to the Harabayas, which is the Temple Mount, they saw a fox coming out. You see? So, we can ask a question. A fox? Was this an accident? Why a fox? You know? Why not some other animal? Is there some hidden meaning in the fact that they saw uh, a fox coming out of the Holy of Holies? Then it says that they started crying, right? And Rabbi Akiva was laughing, which itself is bizarre. You know, when you see the destruction of the temple, obviously you're going to cry because of the grief. So why were they crying? And how could Rabbi Akiva be laughing? So they asked him, what are you laughing about? So what does Rabbi Akiva do? Instead of answering them, he says to them, why are you crying? Which is, doesn't make sense. What are you asking them why they're crying? Obviously they're crying. You're the one who seems to be inappropriate, not them. So why are you asking them why they're crying? So then they answered him. It says that, you know, even a Zor, a stranger that goes into the Kodesh Akadoshim will die, right? And now we see that foxes come out. It's not even people coming out. It's desolate. Where animals live, we shouldn't cry, Right? So, it's very strange 
the conversation that's going on between these three and Rabbi Akiva, you see? So then he explains, you see, that God says, I'm going to call two witnesses, Zechariah, Uriah, and Zechariah. And he explains, even though they lived at two different times, but one prophesied about the Chorban, the destruction, and the other prophesied about the redemption itself, you see? So we have to ask ourselves, you know, of course they know there's going to be a redemption, right? So what is he telling them? You mean they don't know that there's going to be a redemption? Of course. Of course they know. Well, what's he informing them that they don't know? And not only that, why does the Gemara at the end say, The Gemara wants to tell us the exact wording or the phrase that was used by these three people. You see, why? And also, what was the wording where they told Rabbi Akiva, Akiva Necham Tonu, Akiva, you have consoled us. Akiva Nicham Tonu. Akiva, you have consoled us. It's interesting. It's the exact same thing that God says. Nachamu, Nachmu. Be consoled, be consoled. You see? This is what the... Uh, so it sounds like that Rabbi Akiva did to them what God will do to the Jews. And therefore they told them that what you just did is the exact same thing God will do to the Jews. And that's why it says, Nachamu, Nachamu. You see? So the question is, how do we understand this conversation? You see? And the answer to this is very important. You see? Ultimately, what the answer is, is the following. If somebody has to go to prison, imagine somebody goes to prison for something that he he did not do. Right? And all of a sudden, and they put him in prison for 20 years. And believe me, there are many people that are in prison for things that they never did. You know, I mean, they're like, uh, like uh, Cuba, Castro. I mean, how many people are in prison for things that they didn't do for years? And the same thing with communist China and so on, you know? So imagine after 20 years, right? Uh, they come to tell the guy, by the way, you're now going to be released. Right? Why? You're going to be released because the person who put you in prison died. Now, is there a Nechoma? Is there a consolation? Of course there is. Because thank God it's over. Right? He's been in prison for 20 years for no crime that he committed. Right? And now they tell him your prison sentence is over because the person that did it to you is dead. Yeah, but that person walks out of prison so he's consoled in a sense that he doesn't have to go to prison. That's true. But is he really consoled? He just spent 20 years of his life in prison, right? For something that he didn't deserve. Doesn't that need consolation also? So in other words, there's two consolations here. One is you can console somebody by saying that what happened to you is now over. You're free. But the, the second thing also needs consolation. What about all those years that he was in prison for 20 years? Doesn't he need consolation for that? And the answer is, of course. And that is really what the secret is, you see. And that's really what the Gemara is saying, you see. <clears throat> now, 
Where does it say that? Because it says, you see, what Rabbi Kiva is saying is that, you know, the Jews, they sinned. So obviously if they sin, they don't really appreciate God, right? Because they're sinning, right? So what God does is, I need to teach you a lesson. But that lesson is not a punishment. It's a remedy. It's something that will cure you that you have to go through. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to destroy my temple, God says. And as a result of the destruction of the temple, I am leaving. And you will be without the divine presence. And then you're going to see what it means to be without the divine presence. And when you grieve over that, when you mourn over that, that will be the cure. That will be the rehabilitation or the remedy, you see. So it comes out that the mourning itself is the remedy. It is the cure, the remediation for the reason why it happened in the first place. You see, that is very important. And this is what Rebbe Akiva says to them. Let's go back where it says that they went to Jerusalem, right? They got to Hatsuifim, and they all rent their clothing. Everybody, even Rabbi Akiva. And then they went to the Harabayas, which is a temple mount, which is the actual Beis Hamikdash, and they saw a fox coming out of it, right? And it says that they started crying. Why a fox? And the answer is, we know a fox has a reputation. What's the reputation of a fox? That he's a very sly, crafty animal. So what this meant was, it's like the fox is saying, you know, you're looking at Khurban. But really it's not Khurban. It is a refuah. It's a cure. It's a remedy. In other words, the destruction is the remedy, right, to the sin itself. And without the remedy, you couldn't have the redemption. That's why it was a fox. Because a fox indicates that what you're looking at is not really what is happening. Now, they started crying. And Rabbi Akiva was smiling. Why? Because he was smiling because they were crying. But crying is the remedy. Crying means that they miss God. They miss the Shekhinah. But if that's the case, but that is the remedy. That you miss the Rabbi Shloedim. You see? You miss his presence. So therefore, Rebekah Kiva smiled because he saw that they were engaging in the remedy. But they didn't understand that. So they asked him, what are you laughing at? You see? So he says, well, why do you think you're crying? So they said, of course we're crying because a place where it says that a Zor, a stranger that goes in will die and now foxes come out, we shouldn't cry. So he says, look, therefore I'm smiling because I, I see that you are doing the remedy, you see? And therefore I'm smiling. Because crying is the remedy. The fact that we mourn is the remedy, you see? And he brings down the, these two sukkim, Uriah and Zechariah. And this is what he says, right? Uriah prophesied in the first temple, but he prophesied on the destruction. Zechariah prophesied at the second temple, but he pro- prophesied when about the redemption. So here's Rebbe, what Rebbe Akiva said. Until the prophecy of Hurban wasn't fulfilled, right, 
then the prophecy of redemption won't be fulfilled. But now that I see that the prophecy of redemption of, of Chorban is fulfilled, then the prophecy of redemption, what did he mean? It doesn't mean that since God kept his word and destroyed the temple, therefore he's going to keep his word and bring the redemption. No. <clears throat> it means that because God destroyed the temple, that was the remedy. Ah, so now that we have a remedy, of course there will be a redemption. You see? So what Rebbe Akiva was saying is that you don't understand the destruction is the remedy. Which means that if there was no destruction, then there would be no redemption. Why? Because there wouldn't be a remedy. You see? And therefore they said to him, Aha! So, you, you have consoled us because of course we know that there's going to be a redemption. But they said a second time, Akiva Nechamtonu, you have consoled us that the very reason for the suffering is the remedy for the redemption. It is the cure, the refuah. You see? And therefore, Rabbi Akiva is saying, and that's the secret of consolation. When God consoles, nobody knows why. We know there's a Chorban. And therefore, when God sent all the Avot, Moshe, Aaron, Shlomo, and so on, uh, Shmuel, and so on, you know, they could say that, we, that the, the destruction will be over, there will be a redemption. But they can't explain how, in every single moment of your life, every single pain that happened is the cure. They can't say that, because they don't know. Only God knows exactly why everybody suffers. You see? So therefore, they really cannot console the Jewish people. They can only console them by saying that God will redeem you. Fine. But why did we have to go through such suffering? They cannot answer the rationale for that. That's why God says, Nachamu, be consoled. In other words, be consoled that the Hurban, the persecutions, and all the other suffering that will end. But Nachmu be consoled again. Why? Because I am now going to explain to you how everything that happened to you itself is the cure. You see? And therefore a person can be consoled. Why? Because he now knows that the reason why he had to suffer is only because it was the cure to the disease. You see? So that's what consoles them. You see? It's like a surgeon. You know, when a surgeon tells somebody, you know, that he, I have to operate on you, you know. But the, the, the consolation is that, okay, it's terrible that you have to operate, which is Hulban. But that is the remedy. You'll be able to survive. So therefore, a person is consoled that the suffering he will have to go through, which is a surgery, has a meaning as a rationale, you see, that's the consolation. And therefore God says, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, be consoled because someday all of this nightmare will be over. And then God says again, Nachamu, be consoled. What does that mean? I will now explain to you that everything that I did to you, all the pain, the pogroms, Inquisitions, the Holocaust, 
persecutions, the expulsions, all of this, I had to do. That was the surgery, you see. And therefore, because I had to do it, and I will explain to you how it was the remedy, you can be consoled that it happened. And that is what consoles the Jewish people. Because they realize that if God has not put them through the suffering, guess what? The Jewish people cannot be redeemed. Because that's the concept of a remedy. Without a remedy, the disease does not go away. You see? So then what you do is you turn to God and say, Thank you. Thank you for giving me the remedy. You didn't have to. It just could have been a punishment. So God says no. And that's the secret of Nechoma. You see? And that's also the secret when it says, Ani Hashem Refecho. I am God, your healer. Why? Because God is a judge. You see? Now, as a judge, you did something wrong, so you get a punishment. It's not necessary for God, as the judge, to be a healer. He doesn't have to put you through a rehabilitation. That's extra and beyond the concept of justice. But God says, I'm not only a judge, guess what? I'm your doctor, which means I want to restore you to your health. You see? And therefore, God has assumed the role of a doctor that he's going to cure us. That is the Nechoma. That God is not just somebody who abides by justice. You see, God is somebody who's your healer. <clears throat> you see. And that is why we say, everything that God does, the Tav of it, is only for the good. What does that mean? That means everything that God does is not for punishment. It's really the correct way of seeing anything that happens to you. Is only in the toiva. Why? Because it is the cure. God is acting like a doctor more than he's acting as a judge. Uh, you see? That's why we say gamzulu toiva. Everything that God does is only for the good. Only for the good. And that's the concept of bitochen which is very important. Bitochen doesn't mean everything will be good immediately. No. Uh, it doesn't mean that. It means that everything is for the purposes of bringing you to an ultimate state of goodness. Total beneficiality. That's what it is. And that's what the concept of Bitochen is. That you have to trust God. That whatever He does is only for your good. It's never for an evil or for a punishment. You see. And that's a very important idea. In fact, the one who says... Everything God does is for the good. Is Rabbi Akiva, you see? So that's what he was teaching them. That everything, the Chorban itself, is only for the good of the Jewish people. Because without the Chorban, there's no cure. And that is the ultimate consolation. And that's why God says, Nachmo, Nachmo, be consoled, be consoled, which means be consoled that someday it will end. But then the question is, okay, so it ends. But what about all the unbelievable devastation and destruction for the thousands of years? So that's the second Nechoma, you see, that because of that, I will survive.
Everybody understand that? And I will end with a very interesting story. It's a, it's a, it's a uncommon story. Everybody heard of Napoleon Bonaparte? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, of course, right? You know, one of the, the French emperor after the uh, revolution, Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah, he was a very great general, right? Anyway, the story goes as follows. Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, the, uh, France was conducting a war with another country, you see. And Bonaparte, uh, Napoleon, was at the front lines, and he decided they want to find out the plans of the enemy so they can be anticipated right, and try to destroy the enemy. So he came up with an interesting strategy. He said he took a general with him, and what they did is they dressed in the garments of the enemy, and they crossed over the river to the enemy territory. Now, where do you find out the plans of the enemy? Well, the best place is you go to a bar, a bar that is visited by the soldiers of the enemy, right? So both of them went over the river, in the, and they looked like the enemy, because they had the clothing of the enemy. And they go into this bar, right? And the bar is filled with soldiers, you know, war, the, the soldiers. <clears throat> and they take a seat in the back, right? Napoleon and his general, right? And they want to hear what the soldiers say. So they hear them talking amongst each other, because the soldiers know what they're going to do, so Napoleon is now listening, and he's getting, you know, in advance the, 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 the uh, plans of the enemy, which is great, right? Then as time goes by, there's a guy sitting at the bar, and all the soldiers are talking, and this guy turns around, and he all of a sudden looks in the direction of Napoleon, who, by the way, was very short, he looks in the, general, the direction of Napoleon and the general. And all of a sudden he says in a loud voice, Hey guys, that's Napoleon. Can you imagine? So they look at the guy, the soldiers, and say, What are you, crazy? Napoleon and the and Napoleon's not going to come to this place. He'd be killed immediately. So the guy says, No, no, I'm telling you, that's Napoleon. Right? How do I know? Because I was once taken prisoner by Napoleon. Right, and through the prison bars, I was able to see Napoleon walk by as he reviewed the troops. <clears throat> you see, and I saw his face. I'm telling you guys, that's him. Could you imagine what Napoleon was thinking? Here, this guy screaming that that's Napoleon. He's in the bar in the enemy territory. He's finished. They're going to kill him, right? Or whatever. Napoleon thought he was finished. All of a sudden, the guy he was with, the general, gets up and he grabs Napoleon, you know, by his uh, lapel, whatever, right? He grabs him and he says, what? How dare you tell me this? And he takes his fist and he punches Napoleon in the face. You hear? He punches Napoleon in the face. And he starts beating Napoleon. And the other guys are looking, and they're stunned. I mean, here's this guy that Napoleon is with, and he's beating Napoleon left and right. Can you imagine watching this? 
So all of a sudden, one of the soldiers says, Nah, that can't be Napoleon. If that was Napoleon, this guy would never beat him. Right? So what they all do is they turn back to their drink. And guess what? Napoleon and the general, they slink out of the bar. You believe this? They slink out of the bar, of course, right? And they run back over the river, back into their territory. The now, was what? Wait, wait. Now, the general knew he was finished. Why? He just, built, he just beat up the, the emperor. You imagine? He beat up Napoleon, and boy, he really gave him a good beating. So he knew he was finished, you see? So they make their way back to Paris or whatever, right? And, of course, the general knew he was finished. I mean, just beat up the emperor. So <clears throat> what happens? Of course, the next day, a whole contingent of troops enter, you know, or they come to the house of the general, and they say, the emperor m- m- wants to see you. You are ordered to appear before the emperor. And he knew, he knew it was over. I mean, forget about it. I mean, that's death. So he appears before Napoleon, and Napoleon says to him, imagine, and he's all bruised, right? He's all bruised from the beating. He says, before I pronounce sentence on you, because you beat me, right? I want, I want to ask you a question. When you were beating me, right? What do you think I was thinking? That's what he asked the general. As you were beating me, what do you think I was thinking? So the general, the general said, well, I'll tell you what I think. You're probably saying to yourself, boy, am I going to get this guy back. You see, I'm going to get him back if we ever get out of this place. And I'm going to get this guy killed because he beat up the emperor. That's what the general said. So Napoleon told him a very important idea. He said, no, you're making a tremendous mistake. Because I realized what your strategy was. Your strategy was that you were going to try to convince the other soldiers. And the only way to convince them that I was not Napoleon is to do something that nobody would ever do to Napoleon. And that is to beat me. You see? So I realized that every time you hit me, that was going to try to convince the soldiers. So what I was thinking as you were beating me was, hit me harder. Hit me harder. Why? Because I realize that if you don't and you don't convince them, we're all dead meat. You see? In other words, what Napoleon was saying is that the beating itself is the refuah. And he realized that if the guy stops or he's not able to convince the other soldiers, he's finished. They're both finished. You see? That's exactly, that's the Nachmu. The first Nachmu is that it ended and they were both able to go back to the other side. But the second Nachmu is that the logic of being beaten is that that is the cure. That's the remedy. Because if they can't convince the soldiers, they're finished. That's the second Nachmu. God is going to show everybody, you see, that every single thing that happened to you, everything, you see, is only for the purpose of remedy, for cure. And because of that, that is why you are zoicha to be redeemed 
and to live into the messianic era. You see. And that's what God says to the Jews. And he's the only one. Because he's the only one that knows why every single thing he did, how it affected the cure. Nobody knows, really. Yeah, they can say, of course there's going to be a Geula redemption. But we can't explain to you your entire life, you know, all the difficulties, the sufferings that you went through, all the Tsaurus and the Yisurin. Only God. You see? And that's the concept of Nachmu, Nachmu. And that is what the true Nechoma is. You see? The Nechoma ultimately, and we need to have a Nechoma in the Messianic era. Because how can we forgive or forget all the brutalization of what happened? And the answer is because God is going to demonstrate that without this, we could never have been saved. Thank God that God did what he did and that's what enabled us to be saved. And that's why it says in the Pasuk, It is a time of terrible troubles to the Jewish people. And from it, he will be saved. So normally you learn, it is a terrible time for Jacob, which means for Jews. And from it, he will be saved. No. And from it means because of it, we will be saved. You see? And that is what the real concept of Nechoma is, which is Rabbi Akiva. And that's why they said the exact same thing that God says to the Jews. Nachmu, Nachmu. They said to Rabbi Akiva, and that's why the Gemara says, omru. it goes out of its way to explain the exact phraseology of what these rabbis said. That you have consoled us, Akiva. You have consoled us, Akiva. That all of this is a remedy and as a result of that, when the era of the Mashiach comes, and according to the Medrash, God will console the Jewish people. And guess what? Every single Jew will be consoled. Because we will have been given the understanding of every single tzara. Everything. From the time we were born until the time we pass. And now all of this is nothing more in the way that God saves us. And that will provide undis- indescribable joy, you see. So, on the contrary, instead of grief, we will experience untold joy, you see. And now you understand what the secret of Nechama. And in the end, that's why you must have bitachon. You must believe that everything that happens to you is not a punishment. It is a cure, a remedy, because God wants to rehabilitate you, you see. So everything is gamzul toivo. Whatever God does is always for the good, <clears throat> you see. That's why when you heard of Rabban Kotler, when he was dying, you know, 1962, so his family said, don't worry, it's going to be good. So Rabban, of course, who was, was the greatest man in the generation, he said, no, 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 you don't understand. It won't be good. He said it in Yiddish. It's a showing good. It is now good. You see? It's not that it will be good. It is good. Because, obviously, if I didn't need this to be redeemed, I wouldn't be getting this. So this has to be part of the cure. So it's already good. 
Thank God that God is doing this because this guarantees that I will survive and I will be in Ulam Habo, right? I will be in the Messianic era. You see? And that is the secret of Nechomo. And that is why it says, Nachmu, Nachmu, twice. Any questions? Yes. Why does it say... Can you speak louder? The question, Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, Bayomo Elokechem. So why was it Midat Hadin and not Midat Esed? Was it just because that the suffering is the remedy? Well, the reason for that is because the, uh, the, 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 the consolation is that there is no nechoma. Instead, what it is, is his cure. No, it's the fact that God acted in a just manner, right? That is the cure. In other words, he's not giving you something for free in that sense. But he's actually, by exercising justice, that is the cure. And that's why he says, Elokechem. You see, that means God's justice is a cure, not a punishment. Good question. I'm glad, I'm glad that you remember the questions. Okay, so Rabbi, so this, uh, this phase of Nachamu is going to start in the year 6000? No, it'll start... Well, we are now going into the... Uh, are you, you don't want the redemption? No. The feast of Hashem actually consoling us. You said that happens once we're resurrected. Well, no, well that actually happens when Mashiach ben David appears. Actually, it's even when Mashiach ben Yosef. But, but certainly, when Mashiach ben David appears, then, that, then uh, everything is explained. Everybody will know exactly what happened to him and why, and how it saved his soul. Yeah, so it, it really happens in the Messianic era, especially in, in by the Mashiach ben David. I have a question, Rabbi. Isn't it yeah. after a person dies? They what? Them? Isn't it after a person dies, you know the truth of why everything happened to you? You see it when you go up to Olam Abba? Well, that he certainly will know, but he'll know even earlier. He will know in the Messianic era. It won't wait until the end. Like I say, you know, because everybody wants to know, how do I explain this terrible life? Because if you don't have an explanation, how are you going to enjoy the Messianic era? Right? So you don't know it when you die? Like if a person dies, Hashem doesn't tell you why everything happens? Like the Emet doesn't come to you then? It has to come to <clears> Well, probably to a certain extent you know, but not fully. The full explanation is revealed, you know, uh, in the Messianic era. And then, so just so I remember correctly, what, um, we get resurrected after this? Well, the resurrection happens right after Mashiach ben David comes, not in the time of Mashiach ben Yosef. Mashiach ben David comes, he kills the, the Zohamah's dead, and he enters in, ushers in the Messianic era, and then all of a sudden we get resurrected. Correct. Exactly. So we get consoled right before we get resurrected? We have to wake up to We get consoled, no, after we get resurrected. After, so that's what I'm saying, isn't that, isn't that in the year 6000? No, 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 that's the end of time. That is the end of Ulam Hazer. 
the Mashiach ben David's era is before the end of Olam Hazer. No, but right? didn't you say it takes, it's going to take 210 years for everyone to be resurrected? Yes, yeah, but as they get up, they are informed everything that happened to them. Got it. So whoever's last, that's the last, and whoever's beginning, beginning. But in nine that's right, years, yeah. What? That in nine and a half years should be the resurrection. Beginning of it. Well, the, 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 say that again, I didn't hear you. What? The, begin, uh, the, the beginning of the resurrection will be starting... Uh, in nine and a half years from now. Well, yeah, when the Sheikh Ben David comes, yeah. What Look, we are, we, are, we are in a tremendous, uh, we are what's called down to the brink. So what do you, do you, did you feel or hear anything that happened to Mashiach Ben Yosef? This past Tisha B'Av? Uh, did I feel anything happen to Mashiach Ben Yosef? Like, it did, it did, was there anyone that felt the Klippas being released, or, you know? No, uh, n- not yet. Not yet. But not yet. we are headed for a brink. Uh, in terms of, there are two things going on which are fascinating. One is that there are a tremendous amount of protests against Netanyahu, and we know Netanyahu is basically the end of the era of Rav. Okay, but what we're witnessing is the beginning of the overthrow of that person. And he is the, le- and, and, and in order for the Mashiach Ben Yosef to come and to do what he does, that must be overthrown. There must be a transition period between so the era of Rav. What? You don't think Hashem appeared to Mashiach Ben Yosef yet? Did he appear to them? That is unknown. But uh, I'm sure the Mashiach Ben Yosef is wondering who he is. You know? You think he knows who he is? You think he knows something's up with him? Well, he may suspect. I think, um, I, I, I would imagine that God will drop hints. Look, Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, while he was away for 56 years, can we say he was completely oblivious of who he was? I mean, he was an incredibly spiritual person. I mean, he didn't know ultimately for sure, but I'm sure he wondered about who he was and why it came out. You know, why was he born and lived in in Pharaoh's palace for 26 years? And now of all the Jews, he was chased out of Egypt. He has to have wondered about all this. Not only that, he was also in contact with his spiritual abilities. Look, he was an incredible person, you know. <clears throat> All of this has to mean that he was aware that there's something going on here. But he didn't know who he was, really, until the snap, until the burning bush. He may have suspected, when, you know. When did the snare happen? Like, is there a date? Is there a... Do we, like... <coughs> yes, the snare happened a year before, exactly a year before they left. The snare happened on the 15th day of Nisan, at night. Exactly one year before Yitziat Mitzrayim, the year two That's right. It happened exactly one year before Yitziat Mitzrayim. Do we think that's going to happen again the same, in the same time frame? Like, this April, Hashem's going to appear to him? Or would it happen I mean, well, 
there's no question that Nisan is going to be something very significant. But I believe something significant is going to happen even now in Elul and Rosh Hashanah. Remember, the decree of the redemption has to be ordered on in Elul. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It has to be ordered because that's all the decrees, you know. So I believe this, this Rosh Hashanah is going to be a tremendous um, gzerah, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that it's really the beginning of the end, that the decree will be that the redemption has to start. Or people can't go to shul. Or that? I think that's that. why Batan is working very hard to make sure the Jewish people can't pray in shul with the COVID. With this corona. Well, a lot of Jews, well, yeah, there, there will be a lot of Jews that don't go to shul. You know, what's interesting is that the first day of Rosh Hashanah is Shabbat. So there's no, there's no uh, tekiah. There's no shofar according to the Torah. When they can't blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, it, the strength is with Esav. Say that again. I learned that when you cannot blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, I heard when you can't blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, it's not a good thing for the Jewish people. <clears throat> no, but we're protected because it says Zichroin Trua. To mention the Trua. That's how Chazal know that they were able to decree that if Rosh Hashanah, the first day, falls on Shabbat, you do not blow, because the Pasuk says, not only blowing shofar, it always says, a remembrance of a shofar. That was the illusion that they could do it. I have two you questions. Know? One. Yeah. What? Um, my first question is, they say that, um, I heard that on Tu Be'av, the third Beit HaMikdash is going to get rebuilt. Is that Well, Tu Be'av is on Wednesday. I know. I want to know is that, a, is that a real thing that is uh, God willing I don't think this year but I'm saying in general that the third Beit HaMikdash is going to be rebuilt on two baths that's very possible yeah very possible is there, is there any uh, like um, special powers in the, in the day well Tuba'av is a tremendous day of joy for the Jewish people First of all, on Tuba Av, they stopped dying in the desert. Right. So that's a tremendous day of joy, you know. And Tuba Av also is, uh, was a lot of Shidduchim, uh, you know, uh, marriages, or guys, you know, met their wives and all that, you know. But uh, Tuba Av is, but there's another reason for that, because um, the Satan has control, or he exhibits his power, in certain months of the year. Tammuz, half of Av. The other half of Av, which is Tuba Av, and Elul, is powers wane. You see? It's the same thing. In the early part of the year, right, you have uh, Tevet, is his month, because that's the month of Esav, and then half of Shvat. But the other half of Shvat, which is Tubishvat begins the Shlita, the, the dominion of Yosef. So you have Hershvat, and then you have Ador. That's Yosef. That's the Mazal of Yosef. The same thing in the summer. Tammuz and half of belongs to the Satan. That's why Dinim are very bad 
judgments are bad. But in the other half of Av, his power ends or tremendously diminished. Uh, so Tuba Av begins the diminishment of the Satan, right? And Elo, of course, and then Tishrei, of course, you see? So Tuba Av is really the end of, in many ways, a severe diminishment of the power of the Satan. Then we should, like, uh, we, should, we should be seeing like more of a better things in the world to, for the Jewish people, God willing. Like from when? Well, we are looking at. You should know one thing, I, which I, I mentioned in a couple of shurim ago. There's a concept of the windows and the gates. Right. We are looking at the end, the the ultimate, almost closing of the windows. As the Ramchal says in the Maimagula, uh, he says that the windows which lets in the divine light is almost closed. If it closed, then the world would cease to exist. So what happens is the windows, that means the hester, the darkness. It's like dark windows, black windows. It closes and closes, right? Until there's a, a, a nano slit left and then as soon as it hits the nano slit instead of closing altogether it springs open and then all of a sudden the light comes in that means that there has to be a historical event or maybe a series of events with care of iron overnight in a blitz something is going to happen where you're going to see the redemption. You see? And that could be... I mean, right now, historically, you have one of two things. It could be the total downfall of Biden and the Democratic Party and the complete resurgence of Trump with both houses. And that's very important for Israel because he has not finished his job and the second blitz is the overthrow of Netanyahu. And somebody else will take his place. Why well, happen to think is Gideon Saar? You see? And that will mean those two events simultaneously happening will be the events that begin the, the transformation. And that is the windows opening. You know what I'm saying? So, the gate opening. Uh, the, well, it's the wi- it's the gate opening. That's right. Yeah, where the window is shut and the gate opens. Yeah. And that's so right. that's why we want to be up so that that ushers in. It starts like the beginning of that all good process of. Yes. Yeah. So Tuba of this Wednesday is a very important day because it signals the beginning of the end or the, the tremendous diminishment of the ability of the Satan to do what he does, which is Kitrugim. You see? So that's very good for the Jewish people. Tuba of is a very good day. Is there anything you know? that you say that we should be saying or praying specifically? On Tuba of? Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe the best thing to do is take Tikkun Chatzos. Say what? Tikkun Chatzos. Tikkun Chatzot is in the Siddur. 
it's a, it's a tefillah that mourns the temple and prays for the redemption. Where do I find this? It's in the Sidur? It's in the Sidur. It should be in your Sidur. It's called Tikkun Chatzot. Oh, I know. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's in every Sidur. It's basically... In, uh, every, I'm sure you have it in your Sidur. Yeah. What time should we read it? Well, what they usually read it is midnight. After midnight? 12 o'clock. Or night. Yeah, after Chatzot, which is one... Yeah, well, Chatzot is 1.02 a.m. 1 a.m.? Yeah, because that's when the that's when the power of the Satan diminishes after midnight. That reminds me like when on, on Pesach I woke up at 2 a.m. to say, or whatever time it was, to say Az Yashim Moshe at the time that they were going through the ocean. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> you know? So, so you think that, because you know now with the whole COVID a lot of the things are going backwards, like they're trying to repose things again, like we're going backwards. Do you think all that is, is, why is Hashem still keeping COVID around? That's Achad really... Achad well, look, you have to know one thing, you know, look, COVID is a tremendous wake-up call for the world, you know. It's also a tremendous suffering you know, it's like a, a complete suffering from the entire planet. Yeah. You know, everybody's suffering because of this, you know. So in a, we have to know one thing, that when the Mashiach comes, it's not only the Jews will experience a tremendous joy, so will the world. Because it marks the end of evil, you know. And everybody wants evil in many ways to be overthrown, you know. Uh, but, but it, it, look, remember there are two things that happen in the redemption. One is evil is destroyed, evil is overthrown. That's the first important idea. And the second important idea is spirituality returns. You see? So the world can't celebrate. For the Jewish people, it's not only the end of the Zoyamor and the Satan. It's the beginning of the Shekhinah, or the Divine Presence. For the Goyim, it's the end of evil, you see. So they will also celebrate. But the question is, do they really deserve this? Not really. There's a lot of evil in the world. So in a certain sense, it has to also level the playing field, even for the Goyim, you know. And, and so therefore you have, it's a global punishment, and it's a wake-up call, you know. What it does is it stops mankind in its tracks. So why do you, you know? think it's lingering? Why? why? It, because the punishment is not over. Not over. It's not over. Look, there's a lot of bad stuff out there, you know. And if you think about it, I mean, COVID is only around for, what, four months? March, April, May, June, July... Yeah, it's uh, four months. It's about, uh, yeah, four and a half months. It's not over yet, you know. So in many ways, it has to, you know, level the playing field. Because even the world, like I say, will celebrate the coming of a Messiah. You know, everybody's waiting for some type of redemption. You know, people want a redemption from evil or from bad, bad tidings, you know. But for the Jew, it's much greater than that. It's not just the end of evil and the end of suffering. 
it's also the beginning of an entirely new consciousness of God and righteousness and Kiddushah, holiness, you know, of which we have no idea of what that will be. But whatever it is, it's the light of the, the days of Breshit, the messianic light. So, like, basically in the year to come, God willing, Bezat Hashem, then there are major dates, or you know, I would say, like, points that we should be looking at. You said Rosh Hashanah, uh, you know, Pesach. Yeah, but what happened 5780? Oh, but also, Rabbi, you said they... What happened so, here? Yeah, that's Tavshin a good question. Tavshin Pei. If the Pekidah didn't really happen yet, and the gate didn't open yet, in Tavshin Pei, then why was Tavshin Pei such a big year? Well, maybe the Pekidah did happen, except we're not aware of it. You have to remember, when Moshe Rabbeinu saw the snare, right? The right. Jews didn't know about it in Egypt. It no. took them time to go from Midian to, to Egypt, you know? How long did it take him? And not only that, the Pekidah did not happen. It happened before. It happened when you look at Shemot, where it says, and God knew. Remember it says, and God heard the cries of the Jews. Remember that? Yeah. And then it said, and God heard their cries, and God knew. And God knew. What did he know? He knew that the time of redemption had arrived. That is the Pekidah. So really the Pekidah preceded Moshe Rabbeinu. Mm. You see? And of course the first manifestation of that is Moshe Rabbeinu uh, who's now assigned task to redeem the Jews. But the the Pekidah happens it's the end of the decree where God knows that he now has to actively bring the Gula. That is the Pekida. And that will happen unbeknownst to people. It happens in Shemayim, in heaven. You see? So Tavshin Pei was a year of underground work. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's like we're doing the base. If you're building a home, we're doing the foundation. Yeah, in a certain sense, it is, yeah. Well, think about it, right? What happened in Tavshin Pei? What, what are some of the world events, right? Corona, the riot. The, well, look the, what's the, happening. The, I mean, look at this. this is all part of a Pekida. Uh, well, first of all, you had the, the ultimate attempt to impeach Trump. Rabbi. Then you had the uh, COVID. Then you now have the riots. You know, this is all part of the end. And in Eretz Israel, they couldn't get a government for three times. You know what I'm saying? They had three attempts. Right. And, and Rabbi, uh, you know, last Tisha B'Av, there was foxes roaming around um, uh, Beit HaRabayit. There was? Yes. We have the video. When did this happen? Last Tisha B'Av. Ah, Okay. So maybe the, the Pekita began even earlier. Animal. What was it called? Yeah, I remember that. Somebody said there were foxes yeah, no, around the uh, Kotel. Rabbi Man, the video you saw in the class? No. But yeah. Yeah. They, uh, that was last year, though. It wasn't this year. Yeah. <clears throat> but there's no question that there's something it going on. It, Look, like, it, it, what, what we are witnessing is abnormal. 
That's the problem. People keep expecting to see it in physicality, yeah. and they're not, and they're getting um, discouraged. So, uh, well, whoever oh. tells me that, I keep telling them, no, it's the underground work that's going on. There's still yeah, that's what I do. Exactly, yeah. Remember, Vayeda Lokim, God knew, is the Pikida. But it happened before Moshe Rabbeinu. Right. So, you know, hopefully it happened. Hopefully it happened, uh, you know, last... Uh, I personally think it happened earlier. I personally think it happened on Rosh Hashanah. Really? Yes. I Not this true. one, last one. <clears throat> In fact, I'll tell you. It, it, I personally think that Gezerah, again, that's Vayedolokim, happened on... Hoshana Rabba. It's a big day. day if what was that? Hatara. That's a big day. And also one time, a long Wait, time ago. So that happened, you think this year, Hoshana Rabba, that passed, that was touching. it was the picky da. Uh, well, like I say, you know, I... I uh, How you I, feel, I understand. And I'm, not take, I'm not taking your word on it, don't worry. I'm just asking your opinion. That's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, so now, yeah. didn't you, one time you gave a class that Hashem, uh, also Kislev is an opportune time for Hashem to bring miracles. What was that? A long time ago at Laura's house, you said something about Kislev. You think that he'll appear in Kislev? Is that a chance or no way? Are you in Hanukkah? Yeah. Yeah, once the Pekidah happens, then every holiday will be tremendously significant. Yes. Oh, so it doesn't yes. necessarily have to be Pesach for him to appear. No, well, the Pesach, Pesach is the real redemption. I mean, that will be a true uh, moment of redemption. But when there's a lot of... we actually leave our homes and go. Yeah. Well, uh, or either that or we'll be freed. Yeah, that's, that's a real redemption. But there are many steps to redemption. You know, the Makot was a step to redemption, even though it wasn't, and it was a, it was a type of redemption, because once the Makot started, there were no more slaves. So they My were redeemed, that you know. COVID is a Makah. COVID clearly is a Makah, yes. He thinks we were already on, we did two Makahs already. He thinks BLM was a Makah also. Who? My husband thinks also, he feels that, Black Lives Matters and all the riots and all the uncertainty and not safe, safety and or no police and all that, that's also was a makah. Like, he thinks we're already on, you know, we've been through two makot. But there's, aside from that, there's a lot of the real makot from Mitzrayim happened this year. There were frogs in one place. There was light, yeah. uh, the, the grasshoppers all over. There was the barad. Uh, in Africa, I don't know what happened. The water. Oh, the locusts, all the locusts, like yeah. I mean, real yeah. Makot are starting to reappear that they haven't seen since the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Yeah. There's a locust plague in Africa and even in Asia. But also, did you see in uh, Saudi Arabia, they had the frogs. I never saw thousands of frogs all over. Oh, yeah? It was terrible. I didn't hear that. Okay. That happened this year also. 
Yeah. Well, listen, you know, uh, there's no question that things are happening. 